From the Ron McKeefery Podcast Network, I'm Isaiah Castilleja, and this is Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. In this episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0, Coach Schofield talks to us about knowing the difference between roadblocks and obstacles in your personal and professional life, understanding that sometimes most difficult actions can lead you to your best decisions, and the importance of living a life full of passion rather than chasing a singular objective. All this on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0 podcast is brought to you by Play. Listen in on a conversation with Play's Global Director of Performance and Education, Coach Mike Bewley. Coach Bewley describes the vision of how Play will continue to be the company that will propel the innovation of the strength and conditioning profession forward. Well, after 22 years of, of coaching, I've learned that connection trumps communication and that it's not enough for coaches to know that you care. And I think you got to take that a step further. They need to experience that you care. And I've always been a coach that tried to be more tra- uh, transformational than transactional. And so with that awareness in mind too, I always enjoyed working and learning and talking to other people and, and coaches and developing that camaraderie. I've always made myself available to the community because I remember how hard it was too to try to get a crack into this this profession. And, and uh, I promised myself if ever I was given a shot, I would never take advantage of that. I always allow myself to uh, help other people uh, chase their dreams in this profession. It's been very good to me. Play is a company that will help your strength conditioning program find solutions for all your needs. Review second best and check them out at play.us for more information. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Today, I am joined by Coach Gary Schofield. He is currently the Director of Youth and High School Development for Play. Prior to this, he was the head strength conditioning coach at the Greater Atlanta Christian School. He is also the co-founder of the NHSSCA, which is National High School Strength Conditioning Coaches Association. And he's also had stops at quality sports training, and he was even an athletic trainer for the Atlanta Hawks. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Oh, thank you, man. It feels feels good to be home. I remember uh, being on version 1.0, so this is awesome. When I was asked, I said, ah, this would be great. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and thanks for coming on. Could you tell us a little bit about your role with play? Yeah, it's a little difficult to explain to people. I get it, the question asked a lot, you know, because I transfer, you know, transformed from uh, uh, the director of strength and condition at a greater Atlanta Christian school, which was an absolute phenomenal job. My assistant now took it over Rich Burnett and he is taking it to the next level, which makes me so happy. Like a proud dad. Um, and he's doing, he's doing things I hadn't even thought about. So I'm really, really proud for him, but that the role that they offered me was great because, um, and, and, and maybe we dive into this later, but it, it, I had become uh, not what I wanted to be. My identity was wrapped in coaching so much that uh, my ego got a little out of control and I really um, fought for others to call me coach than my own kids to call me dad. So I, I, didn't, I didn't become uh, the father 
uh, the spouse, the son and the friend that I wanted to be. And I was looking for uh, something. It got to the point where I realized adding assistance, changing my schedule, um, maybe changing jobs. And maybe I looked at that um, blaming everyone else, but just realizing that uh, there are certain things in life that become roadblocks and, and not just obstacles. And you, you need to, you need to maybe go a different direction. So during that process, play offered me this position, which is, uh, I don't believe in coincidences in life. It was a, it was a great uh, moment in time to remind me of who's really in charge. Uh, we have a tendency to think that maybe put my ego back in, in place, but not for opportunity to really travel the globe, um, interview, watch, observe, and help coaches become the next best versions of themselves, either through sharing experiences I had or had seen or learning directly from them. And I will tell you, brother, I am a far better coach three years into this job than I was when I started because I have learned so much from other coaches and just seeing what they do. Maybe some of those coaches don't have platforms or don't care to have platforms, but they are one heck of a coach. And so really been outstanding. So I just go in and and whatever that might be, maybe it's education, maybe it's... uh, uh, innovating some sort of product or solution uh, to doing it, um, and uh, connect, and maybe it's just connecting them, right? Connecting them with the community, which I know you you're doing really well here with your uh, version 2.0. Is you know professional content in this day and age has become uh, almost irrelevant, like the salt. Right in Egypt time, salt was uh, was money. Now salt is salt, right? We throw it over our shoulder. Now it's just, you know salt, but um, but professional connections aren't. And so being able to connect people, I think is, is important. And that kind of drives my mission and uh, the decision to join and, and be part of this group with play uh, certainly fills that mission. Now that, that that's great. And I just want to ask this question because it came up from what you're describing it. How difficult of a decision was that? Cause you said, you know, you didn't, you weren't the you know, father, husband, and you kind of were wrapped up in, in the coaching persona. That's a tough thing for anybody to do to sit there and be like, all right, this is not where I want to be. And, you know, you were at GAC for 20 years. So it's, it's a, that's a tough decision. Uh, you know, how, what, how, how, what would you recommend coaches do if they find themselves in that position as well? Yeah, it's it's hard because I think just like programming, we talked about this off air, that programming, uh, we could sit here and talk an hour and a half about my programming and some people would find it interesting and some people would find it useless because the environment's different. Well, I think the same thing goes in our identities and in our lives and the struggles we have. There's too many other variables to tell you the exact path to take. I would tell you there's certain things that you should look for and certain things that you should not accept. Uh, we can go into that a bit. Um, that we have a tendency to do, but I would tell you this, um, it, it, leaving GAC was the hardest action I've ever taken in my entire life because the community and job was that good and the people, but it was the best decision I ever made. The hardest action I ever had to take, but the best decision I could have ever made. And so, um, and sometimes it takes time to figure that out, right? You know, there's this fear of the unknown there, you know, people have a tendency to, well, I've been successful here. Let's just, let's just keep going. And um, yet we challenge our athletes to get out of their comfort zone. So we as coaches have a tendency not to do that, but really the the things I would tell coaches to look for is, is roadblocks and obstacles. I talk about it all the time. I mean, there are plenty of instances in my life where, where things were, were difficult, stressful, 
And there were many obstacles in the way. Maybe it was my size. I'm not the biggest strength coach in the world. And there are obstacles in the way of doing what I want to do, what I'm passionate to do, what I'm built to do, what I'm driven to do. And then you can find ways around that. Um, but then there are certain things that you realize that no matter how many paths you take, you end up at the same point. And it's a roadblock. And there's no matter how many roads you're going to take, you're not going past that. And so maybe it's time to get in a plane and take a different path. And uh, so you have to look at those things. You have to have a clear identity, coach. This is what I would tell you. Most coaches, if I ask them what their mission is, maybe they squeal out some mission, maybe. I'm not really quite sure it was really deep, but I ask them who they are versus what they do. And, and there's a, a dreaded pause of I'm not 100% sure how to attack that question. So for me, it really became, let's identify who Gary Schofield is, not Coach Go. And I, I do honestly believe that uh, we're kind of like superheroes. Coaches are a little bit and that you have to put the cape on uh, to be the individual your athletes need you to be at that moment. Right. You know, and the last person that wanted to see coach go walk through the door was my wife at night. And too often she did. Right. Or maybe she didn't because I was at the game for too long. Right. So, um, you know, at some point you have to realize and a lot of people can manage those systems. Coach, I'm not telling you coaching at all is the problem. I'm telling you that people are right. So for me, it was having an identity of who I was, which to me revolves around three things. And if people heard me talk, they probably heard these three things before. And it's your relationship with your family and friends. What is that? That's the father, friend, spouse, son, and spouse kind of talk we just had. What are those relationships? If I can identify those relationships, I can I kind of identify what's important to me. And unfortunately, at that time in my life, you know, I had been invited to many weddings for former athletes and, and friends and never went to any of them because I was too busy and missed countless numbers of things my daughter was in. I didn't even know she was involved in drama at one point. I'm like, wait a minute, she's going to play? Like, when did she get involved in that? I've missed so many things because everything revolved around Coach Go. Um, so that's one thing. The other is your soul. And not to go get religious or anything like that, because it can be as simple as mindfulness. It doesn't have to be spirituality. But for me, it, it, obviously, it's a part of my who I am. So I don't, I don't run from that either. I think so, so many times we run from certain things and discussions. I think, I think we should run towards discussions, not run from them. Um, but, you know, that relationship, and I just don't think I was the kind of person that uh, I really believe I was, I was born to be. I believe we were all born to be great. I believe we were. And um, I think sometimes, you know, it's like uh, I told you we were going to go hike a mountain and I gave you a backpack filled with 13 uh, frying pans. And he was like, hey, what's this for? What are we doing at the top of the mountain? Oh, nothing. Wait a minute. Why am I carrying this? Oh, no reason. I mean, just drop the frying pans, man, and go. I think sometimes we have these things that are holding us back and we're just holding them for no reason. And, um, and so that, that identity, and I had become a little bit more um, hedonistic in thought patterns than I was um, in, 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 in trying to serve others, which leads to you. The third thing is your world, your definition between you and your world. And, and uh, yeah, I think coaching is a servant um, mentality and, and we're there, but um, 
but what are we doing the, to those closest to us? Right. You know, so um, that, that kind of identity of understanding those relationships, I think is important. Then your goals, right. You know, that, that may be your purpose, identify who you are. Your goals would be revolve, revolve around your team, right. So you know, we're always going to be part of a team right now. I'm part of team play. Um, and then uh, your body and your mind. Right. So I, I think I had always managed that really well. I just don't think I managed the top part real well and ego kind of crept in. And, um, that's a, uh, you know, ego is the enemy is a great book, uh, to read. And, uh, it really, it was the uh, last five years really slowly destroying me. And I was making decisions that weren't protecting my mission. I had a pretty clearly defined mission that I wanted to engage, educate, and empower others to be the next best version of themselves, to truly explore the great they were born to be. And I realized what I was doing was trying to self-promote or, you know, trying to trying to have a voice so I can do it. You know, hide, you hide in all these big terms, but the reality was the ego had kind of taken over. So um, although it was a difficult decision, um, and, and really the difficulty came in having to crack that ego. Um, yeah, it was good. It was freeing, right? It's almost like what Jocko talks about with discipline is that people look at discipline on the outside as punishment, as shackles, as things that are holding you back. And truly discipline is the opposite. It's the freedom. It's like when I make my bed in the morning, I don't have to make it the rest of the day. And it frees me up to explore life the way it was supposed to be lived. Same thing with these difficult decisions is that sometimes we're afraid to make them. But really, when we do make them, we're, we're exposed to things that we hadn't even comprehended before. So uh, it's, it's, it's been good. No, that's, that's a very, very powerful story. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I use, it was on the original version of this podcast. I remember listening you in your, you even described a little bit of your schedule. And I remember I was mowing my lawn and I was like thinking, I was like, Holy crap. Like this guy is like, I mean, you know, we all work hard. It's, it's part of the profession, but I was like, yeah, this guy <laughs> coach go is like literally like working like a madman out there. But I think it's a very powerful story because I mean, you, you know, this profession very well, and you know, it's not just at GAC, it's on all levels where coaches can get burnt out or they lose track of those, you know, the relationships with the family, friends, the spiritual and reaction interactions with the world. And, um, and it could, you know, take out a few really good coaches. So, you it know, does. And it's always, it's always the small decisions or the small things that you allow. It's never the big thing. It's not the job. I, I mean, I don't work any less than I worked before. I, and, and to, to assume that I did that, you don't know me. I mean, it's just, it's just what I'm going to do. The, the difference is, um, I don't allow the small decisions. I don't miss my daughter's graduation. I don't miss orientation. I don't miss uh, moments in my life that I allowed, you know, I made these small decisions that allowed, allowed those things to escape. So, um, you know, I think it's the small things. I think we have to, we have to be focused on making sure that the small decisions are the small things that we let go by. Uh, what they do is they accumulate over a period of time. Uh, we're all going to work hard. Uh, it brings up like uh, one of the, one of the words that drives me nuts is grind. Oh, he's a grinder. Oh, look at him. He's grinding. Let's let's we're on our on our on our grind. I hate that word. If I started my car up and the engine grind, coach, is that a good thing? Is my Jeep going to go very far when the engine's grinding? Nope. No, I don't have any oil in it. The gears are grinding. Oh, we're just going to plow the Jeep. Look at this Jeep. What an awesome Jeep. It's just grinding. It doesn't need oil. It's going to no. it's going to blow up. 
So what happens is as coaches, we've embraced this idea of grind. Life is not meant to be a grind. Now, listen, life is meant to have to develop grit in us, right? And, and grit and grind are not just two letters different. It's, it's significant. I believe as coaches, as dads, as men, and I know the women on here and as women, I'm not being sexist, I'm just talking about who I am, that we were born to be the grease man that allows others to, gr- to, have, to have develop grit, but not grind. We're not here to make it easy for you, but we're here to prevent it from being a grind. So that if your job, if the decisions, if the people in your life are making your life turn into a grind, there's no way to be passionate about anything. You're going to have to grind and grind and eventually you'll burn out. But if, if we do what we were born to do as a community, as people, as coaches, we're going to allow people to thrive and, and overcome that adversity and understand the grit that's involved with passion and perseverance instead of burning out with a grind. And so that, you know, it just, the coaching for me, unfortunately, had become a grind and I had allowed it to be. It's 100% on me. I blamed everyone in the universe. Uh, it was 100% on me and I needed to make a change in order to get back into, uh, in, into the life you know, in a life with some grease in there, man, and, and be able to uh, be productive again. We'll be right back. Woodway is a company that has been designing and building treadmills and equipment for the long run since 1974. Each of their treadmills is designed with the revolutionary slat belt running surface, which is both lightweight and durable. It is specifically designed to absorb energy at the point of impact, eliminating harmful shock to joints and connective tissues. 100% of the NFL, NBA, and MLB teams and 60% of NHL teams utilize Woodway products to optimize their training. Woodway's curved treadmill was released in 2009 and boasts a completely self-powered manual training experience that does not require any electricity. This unique piece of equipment allows athletes to run at any pace they choose and burn up to 30% more calories than the regular treadmill. Other unique offerings from Woodway include the Curve Trainer, Curve XL, Forefront, and Pro Treadmills. Each treadmill offers features that are fit for every athlete. The silent and energy efficient product from Woodway has resulted in 50% electricity savings for owners. If you're looking for equipment that is built to last and will improve, and provide each of your athletes an experience like no other, check out Woodway today at woodway.com. No, that, that's great advice. I, am, I wasn't planning on um, fooling you asking about all that, but you know, that's, that's phenomenal. I think, and think that's important. I think it's a good way to understand you know, the difference between grit and grind and how the grind can, I mean, we've seen a lot of just burnout coaches and then they, you know, just, they, they're, they, we lose a good coach. Or just, athletes, think about how many athletes that we have in good meanings, not in bad meanings, driven out of athletics or lost a passion for athletics. And the only thing kept them in there was their great skill. And, and uh, I don't know, I, mean, I, I probably did plenty in my time and I did that. And I'm like, man, it was the opposite of what I was designed to do. It's the opposite of what we were designed to do. Uh, and, now, and again, I am not saying that we make it easy for anyone because I don't think that helps either. Too much oil ain't good either. 
<laughs> those gear, then your gears spin and you go nowhere. So like there has to be some adversity. There has to be some resistance. There has to be, um, you know, some difficulty, you know, we're on, we're not going to just bench the 45 pound bar and expect gains, right? There has to be some resistance, um, but it has to be appropriate. Right. And then we have to recognize those things. I mean, that's what gets into why did I do readiness or velocity based training or APRE system or movement type screens or that all came from, man, that was just my uh, application of, of, of a dot of grease here and a dot of grease there. Not a ton. We didn't just, oh, we're not just corrective exercise and we're not lifting anymore. That's to me was, was no, that's just spinning your wheels. It's just using those tools of programming and practice to make sure those gears still go with a little bit of resistance, but it's an enjoyable ride with no clanging and clacking, right? It's an enjoyable ride. When you get back, wow, that was fun. I loved it. Yeah, let's do it again. That's the mentality that we should have with everything that we do in life. You know, too many people say, man, coaching's my passion or strength is my passion or the clean Olympic lifting is my passion or whatever it might be. And I'm like, man, that's not what we were designed to do either. We were designed to do everything in life with passion, never chase a passion. And too many people are trying to chase a instead of living with. And every decision you do, I don't care what it is, this conversation we have, or the walk down to have an ice cream with my wife at night, I should be able to do all of those things with passion and, and get away from this mentality that, man, I'm doing what I'm doing because it's my passion. Oh, you might be passionate about it, but you should have to be able to do everything. Uh, make your bed with passion. How about live a life that everything you do, you're passionate about? And wait till you see what happens then. You want to talk about productive? <laughs> life changes then. No, that, that's, I mean, we need to get you on the, the <laughs> international circuit, not just the strength circuit. <laughs> People need to hear that. Now, that's some, that's some really, really you know, powerful, powerful insight. You know, and, and Isaiah, it comes from, it, it comes from being in the, like too many times when, when I'm talking to, I, I think this is important to hear. I think it, it sounds like I'm sitting on some throne or high mountain somewhere telling you the great and mighty, you know, wizard of wizard here is speaking. No, I'm telling you all the, I'm in the Valley yelling back up going, don't come down here. It's not a good trip. Like I've been down here. I'm trying to like, I'm, te- I'm speaking from 20 years of experience. Right. And, and this might be a good conversation to piece. Cause I, I think there's something going on in the profession right now that, and I'm an older guy now. So maybe, maybe this might be unique hearing it from this perspective. Um, is that, you know, there's this whole concept of uh, the difference between knowledge and, wis- and, and, and wisdom is experience. And I don't, I, I don't debate that. I say that all the time. But, but I think what ends up happening is we think, it, we think wisdom is better than knowledge. And I, I, wisdom doesn't exist without knowledge. So that, that's, that's, that's silly. So what happens is we have coaches now that may have coached five years. And here I am coaching, you know, going in 30 in the, in the profession. And you say, oh, you know, and this guy's got a, a podcast and a following and, and all this kind of, oh, he shouldn't be speaking. He's only been coaching for five years. Well, I hate to tell you this. I, I can let, well, I'll take my assistant. He has more knowledge in the profession than I have. He, he has half the amount of time in it, but he has more knowledge. How? He's just that much smarter? No. Here's what happens. When I was his age, there was no thing such as internet. There was no Google button. I couldn't, I couldn't click on my phone and get 14 different variations of the clean. 
I either had to go visit the one guy that would let me in, and most people didn't let you in because it was like the hidden secret, or the one book that was written, right? You know, it was like, I, but that was it. There weren't, there weren't even bookstores. So it took me 15 years to learn what I believe it takes people today three years to learn from a knowledge perspective. So they're going to have a logarithmic approach to learning and education the way we, we have things now. Uh, you're just going to know more. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. And that's why I love traveling around. Tell me what you learned, because I, I bet you haven't experienced. But the balance there is, have you applied it? Have you done it? And probably not. And so what we have to be very careful about is, just because you've done it for a long period of time doesn't mean that you know everything. And just because you know everything, if you haven't done it, you probably don't know everything. So we're probably both in the same boat. We probably need to talk more. Young guys probably need to talk more with old guys. Old guys need to talk more with young guys. But what do we end up doing? Young guys talk to young guys. Old guys talk to old guys and complain about the young guys. The young guys complain about the old guys. They won't get out of the way. And we don't grow as a profession. And I, I think, you know, I visited in the last week, you know, three that I think are just game changer young coaches that are, man, brilliant. And I want to learn more from them. And I think we had good conversations because I would bring up questions like, man, I hadn't thought of that. And I'm like, man, the only reason I did is because I, I can kind of see the forest through the trees a little bit. You might be staring at some trees. So um, I think that's, you know, that's a, that's a big piece too. So that me, you know, maybe sharing some of these bigger items isn't because um, I just was smarter. No, it's because I was dumb and I made the mistakes. <laughs> and I don't want people to repeat those I just don't think it, I don't think it, I don't think it helps. I think we will have a ton of five-year coaches and I want a ton of 30-year coaches. Mm. No, that, that that's great. And I, it's a big thing. And I, I think, everybody should be able to listen to this and, and know if somebody's telling you from like the, not only what you said experience, but you're like, look, I, I messed up. I did this. I'm not, like you said, I'm not on the chair. I'm not high and mighty. I'm the one that's in, in the trough down there trying to tell you not to make that same mistake. I think that's you know, really, really some, some, it's some great stuff, coach. This is going to be, this is be really good stuff. Now, you know, you've clearly have years of, of experience in our profession and could you talk a little bit about the high school coach? Do you were a high school strength coach long before that was even like a, a section or you guys, you know I mean, you have, you've helped found the NH or NHSCCA or NHSSCCA. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah the <laughs> national high school strength coach association, yeah. but you know, you, you like, what was it like, when you first got in and where is it now as the, as high schools are growing and the, the full-time high school strength coach is more prominent? Yeah, it's a great question. So uh, there are, there are a ton uh, of coaches that, that predate me, of course, that have, that have, done, have been in the high school profession that have done just, just great service uh, for the, for the profession, Larry Metters and Mike Nitka and Kevin Vandebush, just to name a few. Um, and so there'd always been, talk of trying to connect us together. And there were plenty of fantastic national associations out there, but none that were really dedicated to that one specific goal. And, uh, you know, they may decide, Hey, we're going to have a clinic here or a subgroup here or whatever, but it'll always be a clinic here and a subgroup there. It'll never be a fully dedicated thing. And what we do is very unique. 
because you got to remember, like, even at, even at your school, right? Uh, 6% of my population are going to play anywhere. D3, D2, D1, 6%. So just take that athlete in your weight room that you look at and go, how in the world are they here? Okay, that's my top 6%. Imagine what my bottom 6% looks like. It's an entire different world, man. I think high school programming should be focused on the 94, not the 6%. We focus on the 6%. Oh, they need to, at the collegiate level, they should be able to deadlift and clean and squat. Yeah, but what about the 94 that are never going to go to the collegiate level? Why are we focusing on, listen, I hate to tell you this, my 6% are good enough that without me, you'd be fine. Now, some are worse than others, and you've experienced it. They've come in and you've been like, what in the world? But they make it. They're obviously talented or they wouldn't have been there. Imagine the other level. So I think programming is, is, is a little different. But so the, the process has changed and evolved over a period of time uh, at the high school level. And, and, and basically early on, you know, it, it was strength focused. So if, if, because there were so few of us, right, you know, so 98, 99, uh, if my kids just got stronger, we won. And, you know, so I, we could just bench squat clean. We could do a bigger, faster, stronger and be very successful. And, um, and what happens to, you know, over time, what happened? Every, people started lifting. And so now everyone's, relatively strong. And I hate to break it to people's hearts, but you know, like someone that squats 400, the person that squats 500 is probably not that much better at football. Just, oh yeah, they're stronger, you know, strong enough, strong enough. And we can have that debate another day, but I, I have some numbers to prove it to you that strong enough, strong enough. It, certain sports is a little different, certain positions a little different, but there is a limit to that. And, uh, but anyhow, uh, at some point, those numbers didn't matter anymore. When I had so many benchers, squatters, and cleaners, it, it's just, used, we used to be, hey, we, we will be 12 and two. And then we had those same numbers and we were seven and four. And I thought, you know, what happened? And it just, people got stronger. So then kind of speed came along, right? So, uh, and now everyone's Tony Holler this and flying 10 that. And that's cool. That's great. No, no negatives, but everyone's doing it now. So, now, speed's not so much of a difference. I, I think the next wave is agility, and that'll come. And, and maybe movement screens, they kind of maybe, maybe, I don't know. We've probably gone too far on that. But anyhow, there's always a wave. Maybe it's technology. That might be another wave that comes in. People ingrained into velocity-based training or RSIs or jump mats or force plates. There'll be another wave. That will be a difference maker until everyone does it, right? So that is adapted over time. What hasn't adapted is the sport coach, right? So the sport coach early on in the weight room, if we just get stronger, we win. And I have four state championships to prove it. Hey, when was the last one? Like, you know, they don't, they, they, it's been a slower adaptation. There's always this kind of idea set that they, you know, well, I'm the head coach. So I should, con I need to control everything as well. I'm like, man, well, the AD's in charge of the athletic department of the school. Does he run plays on your sideline? No. So like there's this, there's this idea of control, but, and that's what gets me to this idea of, of qualified. I, I believe wholeheartedly that we should be identifying qualified individuals to be in the weight room. And this is, this is what I mean by qualified. Uh, it, it, you notice I didn't say certified and then qualified. Uh, certified is part of the process. I believe if you're not willing and capable of, of trying to get certifications, then you, you probably don't have the 
the grit that you need, not the grind, but the grit that you need to be a qualified individual in there. So, well, I don't have time for that. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe the kids don't have time for you. So I, I think, I think certification, you know, and, and there are different levels, you know, and maybe you should start with a, a one, a one day one, this stuff hanging on my wall. That's a one day thing. It's fine. It's good. There's other things hanging on my wall. that weren't one day. And so you start the process where you're at, right? If I told you that you had to be a CSCS and you're a math teacher, D-line coach, and you, you did weight training after school, I might as well tell you to jump uh, the Mississippi River in a single bound. That's not going to happen. In fact, 2030, it can't happen because you have to get a degree from an accredited place. So I'm not going to go chase that. What I'm going to tell you is that I think you should pursue that. And that leads to the second thing, was is educated, right? So you're certified educated. Educated is not the degree part of your process, but that's certainly, if I was a math teacher, that's, what was that? No. What is your professional plan? And at the high school level, you should have professional growth plans, PGPs, all the time. What is it? Going to the, well, I go to the, you know, football coaching thing, and we watch that one, you know, uh, strength and conditioning coach every year, and I'm like, that's not it. You should have a level, I believe there are 12 Whole domains of high school strength and conditioning that are a little different, you know, because we have to actually come up with uh, a lot of us, not all of us, but a lot of us have to come up with curriculum and stuff like that. You don't deal with that in college. We have to give grades. We have to do classroom management. It's a little bit different. So you should be learning that stuff. That should be part of your yearly plan of developing. And in today's day and age of content, that should not be difficult for you to be able to find that, that data and be able to do that. And, and then experienced. And I, and what I mean by that is I think we need to have young coaches start interning at high schools. I think we need to have older coaches go visit some other high schools. I think you need to start gathering some experience of seeing what's out there and maybe opening the eyes to, you know what, maybe there's more to this than I thought. So, so I think, um, I think that's what I mean by qualified. And, and then I, I, then I think we need to get administrators to understand uh, how to evaluate the position. And I think the evaluation, the evaluation should be centered around two things and two things only. It should be around, did they play more and did they play better? Not did they win more. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're in some sort of rural region where there's like five really bad teams and you basically could sneeze and win the regional championship. That doesn't mean anything to me. Or maybe you're the opposite. Maybe you're really in a really hard place and you've got a really good program, but it just, athletically, it's just going to be, it's going to be a limit, right? So, um, but did they play more? Did the kids under your tutelage play more, play more? In other words, were they injured less? Did they play more? Well, no, they're on the sideline because of this or because of that. I had 11 ankle sprains in basketball. I, I think we should take ownership of that. Secondly, did, did they play better? Did they play better in means of, are they, are they a better Defensive lineman, are they better linebacker? Yeah, that has a lot to do with coaching, but should have something to do with you as well. Did you give them the skill set or improve the skill set required by that position? Did they get a little bit better? And um, I think those two things, because I've never met a, an athlete that cared anything except those two things. I never met a sport coach that cared anything but those two things. They may be convinced that if they squat more, they'll play better. They may be convinced if they have a better vertical, they'll be better. They may be convinced that the certain movement screen number will prevent injuries. But the reality is, what does your data show? And how are you, how are you adapting as a coach? Now, that's the real the reality of it. Now, I do believe what you said is correct. I believe there'll be a boom. I think there'll be a boom because 
of this thing, social media and the phone. And the reason I believe that is because liability is going to drive the, 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 the engine. Uh, I've said forever that if you have a swimming pool on your campus, you would not have a uh, football coach running the swimming pool because he has his health and PE certificate, teaching certificate. Knew he would be made sure that he got a lifeguard certificate, right? Because all it would take is one kid to drown and that would be the end of that. Uh, you don't think bad things happen in a weight room? Oh, it and, does, yeah. Oh, it's happened forever, but it's never really been caught. It is now. If you look around, you're going to start seeing stuff. And if you don't have a qualified individual in that room, there'll be, there'll be, there'll be penalties. And so, um, and the last person you want is, is me on that stand as a, as a witness and, and asking the football coach and him telling me, well, in 1972, we won a state championship because we ran bigger, faster, stronger. That won't work anymore. So like, you know, I think there's a liability component that is the cloud that has been in the background and we knew it was coming. It's over our heads now. So um, I think that will be the driver. Unfortunately, it's going to take that, but that will be the driver that will open the doors up. Now, good news. That's a lot of bad news. Here's the good news. And I'll, I'll take the COVID year out of the last year. was just nuts. Let's just eliminate that as if that year didn't exist. But 2019 to to today, there's been a 512% increase in strength and conditioning positions at the high school level. 512% of posted jobs. And there were three today that I saw that just came up. So it is happening. Um, and so you're getting more and more of them that aren't associated with a sport coaching position too. So, um, and then I think it'll grow. I think you'll have middle school involvement and stuff like that. So definitely the profession that is on the rise for, for sure. Team Builder is the premier strength and conditioning app for teams and private facilities. Used by more than 2,500 organizations around the world, performance coaches can write training programs online for athletes to access on their mobile app or on tablets in the weight room. You can even print individualized workout cards of your programs directly from their systems. Right now, when you start a 14-day trial, use promo code CHALK, that is promo code C-H-A-L-K, to access more than 70 strength and conditioning programs directly in your Team Builder account, including four sports science questionnaire templates. Today, coaches from around the country use Team Builder's built-in questionnaire module to create COVID-19 pre-screening questionnaires sent to athletes daily. We've been using Team Builder at MSU Denver for several years now and cannot recommend them enough. Hewitt and his staff go above and beyond to help create an outstanding user experience for all the teams they work with. I've yet to run into a type of periodization or programming format that the staff at Team Builder cannot tackle and create. From asking around, it is clear more college and high school strength coaches use Team Builder more than any other training program available. Go to teambuilder.com and check them out. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you to our great guests for taking the time to share their experiences. Thank you to Play and Team Builder for being great companies that help our profession. And most importantly, thank you, the listeners. Please find us on social media at Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Find our show notes on wherever you listen to your podcasts. Leave us a rating, comment, and subscribe. And don't forget to say hi. It's great to hear from coaches from around the country. Talk to you all next week on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0.